His faithfulness continues to all generations. Those three attributes of God, his goodness, his love, and his faithfulness and all the grace and mercy and power that comes under their umbrella is what has sustained this church for 200 years. The Lord God has never stopped using this body of Christ. The Lord has never stopped empowering this church to fulfill his kingdom's work. The Lord has never forsaken this church. The Lord has never left this church in the Lord's hand of favor through all of these years, through the good and the bad and the ugly has always been ultimately upon this church. It wasn't that he hasn't needed to work in our lives, changing hearts and changing our minds and changing our lives because the truth of the matter is we all are a work in progress. Do I have a witness on that? We're kind of like the children of Israel. You know, it didn't take Almighty God long to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, but it took him 40 years to get Egypt out of the hearts of the children of Israel. But beginning with that Holy Spirit nudge in the heart of John Sullivan, and all through these years, dry spells, great spells, revival times, there has been the goodness of God, the love of God, and the faithfulness of God. But here's my word for us today. Church, listen to me. God's love, God's goodness, God's faithfulness should never, ever be taken for granted. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and and in verse 2, he says, in this case, moreover, it is required of good stewards that one be found trustworthy. Now, notice that word required. Paul says it is required. In other words, he wasn't making a suggestion. He wasn't saying, hey, here's something you can hope for. He wasn't saying, hey, here's an idea for you to consider. He says, no, it is required that a steward be found trustworthy, be found faithful to what has been entrusted to them. God's been good. God's been loving. It is that unconditional, unchanging love. God has been perfectly faithful. The question is, have we been and will we be from this day forward trustworthy with what he's entrusted to us? It's exciting to look at the past, our humble beginning, and move and see how God has changed and God has worked. All that's exciting, but we're not through yet. And so the question is, are we going to be stewards who are trustworthy? You say, well, what has he entrusted to us? Well, I'm going to share that with you. He has entrusted to us the life-changing, inspired inerrant, infallible, authoritative word of truth. And in this word of truth, there is truth about what it means to truly be 
a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to remind all of us here, whether you're a part of Washington now, been a part of Washington, maybe you're serving the Lord somewhere else, but still getting down to just the, the truth of the Word of God. What does it mean to be a true church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me share four things with you that we need to look at. First of all, the truth of our foundation. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew just for a moment. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples and he asked them this question. It says, who do they say the Son of Man is? That phrase Son of Man was a Messianic title but he was asking, well what are the people saying? And so the disciples began to share with him what they've heard. Some think you're John the Baptist uh, that has returned. Some think you are Elijah. Some of them think you are Jeremiah and maybe one of the other prophets. And then he looks at them and he says, but who do you say that I am? And that's when Peter, Peter's always the one to speak up, to take that first step, be bold. He says, you are, verse 16, look at it with me, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And after a little personal word with Peter, then Jesus responds in verse 18, and he says, upon this rock, what rock? That I am the Christ, the son of the living God. I will build my church. The word he uses for rock there was the word used in that time for a bedrock, for a solid foundation. What's my word? What am I trying to say? That Jesus Christ is our foundation, and it's Jesus Christ alone. It's not Jesus plus. It's not Jesus plus our preferences. It's not Jesus plus uh, our particular denomination. It's not Jesus plus our politics. It's not Jesus plus our favorite president. It's not Jesus plus some public movement of mankind. It is Jesus and it's Jesus alone. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and, and in verse 11. He says, for no man can, build, can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So it's Jesus and it's Jesus alone. And when we begin, and if this church ever moves to that place, if we move just a slight in that direction where it's Jesus plus, you know what we're doing? We're taking Jesus out of it. We have but one king. We have but one master. We have but one Lord. And we have but one purpose, listen to me, one purpose, and that is to find out what the will of our king, our master and Lord wants, and then obey it, and it and it only. So it's Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, I want to notice the second thing, not only the foundation of the, of the church, but truth concerning the formation of the church. Back in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus went on to say, I, I will build my church. Now let me explain to you what he didn't say, because this is vitally important. He didn't say 
to all the pastors who are, are over churches in America and around the world. He didn't say to all church leaders in churches all America. He didn't say, you will build my church. He said, I will build my church. Now, does he use us? Yes, he will use us. He'll use pastors. He'll use church leaders. He'll use, of course, church members, followers of Christ. But he all, listen to me. If you're listening, say amen. He only uses those who are surrendered. There's a big difference between being committed and being surrendered. You see, when I commit myself to something, I'm still in control. Because I decide what I am going to commit myself to. I'm going to decide how much commitment I'm going to give to it, and I will decide when I'll stop being committed to it. But if I'm surrendered, he has it all. And all I'm doing is finding out what his heart is, what his ways are, what his will is, and it alone. Jesus didn't say, you will build my church. Let me tell you what else he didn't say. He didn't say, I'm going to build your church. He said, I'm going to build my church. He, he's not a cosmic bellhop up there going around and saying, well, what are your preferences and what do you want and what would you like because I want to build your church. No, folks, we are the church. We are the called out ones. Ecclesia means called out. He has called us out. While we're here, he sends us out. And he is building his church. I, I, I've heard, you probably have heard this. The church is on its way out. Well, it may be. When I look at the prophetic signs that are right before us, and I look at the prophetic events happening right before us, the one who called us out and the one who sends us out is about to come and take us out. So, yeah, we may be on the way out. But you see, we're not to build his church. He builds his church. And he is not in the business of building our church. It's his church. So there's the foundation. Christ, the son of the living God, him and only him. And then there's the formation. He is building his church. We just simply need to be totally, absolutely surrendered to him. But I want you to look at the third thing. That's the fellowship of the church. Now, the word is koinonia in Greek. But I'm just going to explain it to you this way. I'm going to use backcountry language. That's okay. Here's what that means. Brothers and sisters, we're in this together. We're in it together. 
We're, we're not individuals out there just doing our own thing. We are in it together. We are connected together. And when you look into scripture, he defines the fellowship, our being together, our connection in three different ways. First of all, he says the church is a building. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 2 for just a moment. Ephesians chapter 2 and beginning in verse 19. Paul writing to the Christians in Ephesus says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, listen to the terminology, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. I look around at this incredible building, and it's a lot of different materials obviously went into building this building. But if you look, you see there's a lot of brick. And what keeps this building standing? What keeps this building together is the mortar that connects all of these bricks together. When that mortar becomes compromised, then the building becomes compromised. Do I have a witness on that? Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are spiritual bricks of the building that the Lord Jesus Christ is building up and, and establishing and doing his work through. And the mortar, are you listening? The mortar that keeps us together is the love of God. Not the love of this world. Not the love of this world. It's not conditional love. Conditional love will not keep us together. Oh, I love you because. Oh, I love you when. I love you if. It just takes a little bit of a change and that because or that when or that if no longer exists and you are no longer bonded together. No, it's un conditional love of God. Think about that. Wrap your minds around unconditional. Let me say it one more time. Unconditional love that bonds us together. You see, by myself, <laughs> I'm nothing. There's a brick, someone can pick me up, kick me around, throw me around, but bonded to you. And the love of God. Let's see somebody try to move this building. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? You see, that's how we're connected. By the bond of the unconditional love of God. And if that is compromised in our hearts toward one another, then this building, this body of Christ of 200 years becomes unstable. And will not stand church it's a building but it's also the scripture tells us it is a body not just a building but a body 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 
in verse 13. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. We're a body, and we have a head. It's not me. The head is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. That's why we need to know his way and his will and, and his word because he's sending us instruction through the Holy Spirit. If you're a true follower of Christ, you have within you the spirit of the living God and that Christ sending instructions to us through his word about his will, about his ways, telling us what he wants us to do. But think about my physical body. What if in my physical body, my left hand said it wanted to do this? But my right hand said it wanted to do that. What if my left foot wanted to go to the left and my right foot wanted to go to the right or just opposite of that? Think about that. Right foot wanted to go left, left foot wanted to, What if one eye wanted to look up and one eye wanted to look down? What would you have? A disaster. <laughs> You okay? <laughs> has, that ever, has that ever happened to Mike? <laughs> you would have, listen to me, a dysfunctional body, right? I just described for you the majority of churches around the world today. You know why? They're not listening to the head. This hand wants to do this. This hand wants to do that. And so all across this world are dysfunctional churches. And here's the end result of that. Paul talks about it in Timothy. He says, you will have a form of godliness, but you're denying the power thereof. That is, you're just like an ink pen, but you don't have any ink. You're like an oil out. You don't have any oil. You look like a church. You sound like a church. But you're not a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the church is a building. The church is a body. The church is a bride. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, Paul talks about how he has betrothed us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something about Jesus' feelings about his bride. He loves his bride. He loves his bride. But you know, I hear a lot of people inside the church and outside church, well, I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. And they'll say to me sometimes, says, you know what, I, I look, Pastor, I have, my, I have my personal devotion with Jesus every day. But I don't come to the church because I don't like the people at the church. You understand what I'm saying? And you know what that's like? It's like inviting, well, may I use this illustration? 
I have no idea. Okay. That's like you inviting me to dinner and say, huh, you come, but don't bring Cassie. We don't like her. You think I'm going to show up? <laughs> Who said that? I had the same trouble with him when he was here. <laughs> I'm not coming. Guess what? If that's the attitude in your heart, are you listening? Say amen. When you have your devotions, you probably have them alone. I'm going to tell you, Jesus loves his bride. I'm a peace-loving man. Y'all know that. You touch her, I'm going to put you down. I love my bride. You see, the fellowship we're building, we are a body. We are the bride of Christ. And if you do anything to hurt, harm, or hinder his church, then we're going to be very limited in the blessings of his goodness his love, and his faithfulness. Let me close with this. Truth about the foundation, truth about the formation, truth about the fellowship of the church. Let me close with the truth about the faith of the church, particularly in the most important message we have. Romans chapter 1 and in verse 16, Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, that is, whosoever. Do you believe? in the power of the gospel. Are you ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? How often are you proclaiming and sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Why do you think the church seems so anemic today? There's probably a lot of answers to that. But I believe one of the answers is because we have so watered down the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we want numbers. We want people. We want to be able to say this and that and, and look what's happening. All the people who have come to be a part of it. So what do we do? We water. It's easy for anybody to say, I believe. 
Oh, well, good. Welcome to the church. You are, you are saying, listen, we have many, many, I don't know what numbers use, hundreds, thousands, whatever it may be, who have their name, listen to me, have their names on the church roll. But they're not members of the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ because they've never been born again. You say, well, the gospel is, is offensive to some people. Listen to me. Matthew chapter, go back to Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said this. Peter said, in answer to the question, who do you say I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. What did Jesus say to him in verse 17? Peter, you got an A on that one. But be careful, you didn't figure it out on your own. Now he said, my father in heaven has revealed that to you. Now what you think about this? He's been with the son of God. I don't know how long into the ministry that this conversation took, but it's been several years probably by now. And so he has seen the power of God through Christ. He has heard the authoritative teaching of the son of the living God. He's been with him every day, but it still took the father through the power of the Holy Spirit to open up his eyes to know who Jesus was. What are you saying? I can preach you truth. But only the Holy Spirit can impart truth to you. We don't need to worry about, oh, is it offensive to those today? No. Just share the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let the Holy Spirit impart it into their hearts and into their minds. And when we are true to that, and we move from that, it's not, again, like it's not Jesus plus, it's not gospel plus, it's just the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when we'll continue to experience abundantly His goodness his love, and the blessings of his faithfulness in us and through us. But let me close with this. Here's a question. If the Lord tarries, if he doesn't come back soon, to us right now, we've been looking back and we looked at the faithfulness of those who came before us. But if he tarries, will the next generation look back at us? And ask this question. Will they have found us faithful? Faithful. Stewards that were trustworthy. That's the question. What do you think about this? As Ed comes and sings this song for us.
Sometimes on a journey on a narrow road and those who've gone before us line the way cheering on the faithful encouraging the weary their lives a stirring testament of God's sustaining grace surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us run the race not only for the prize but as those who've gone before us let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe and the lives we live inspire them to obey oh may all who come behind us find us faithful hopes and dreams have come and gone and those may the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that leads them to the road we each must find oh may all who come behind us find us faithful may the fire of our devotion light their way may the footprints that we leave lead them to believe and the lives we live inspire them to obey oh may all who come behind us find us faithful may the fire of our devotion light their way may the footprints that we leave lead them to believe and the lives we live inspire them to obey oh may Find us faithful. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Would you please stand? Yeah, and I am just so grateful that you came to be a part of our celebration. 
and trust that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and blessed you uh, in this worship experience. Will you join me in prayer as we close? Father God, just as others have shared who've come back, I'll look around and I see a lot of people that I've had the joy to serve you with, not just staff, but Lord, others who at one time by your providential hands was a part of this fellowship. You're now using them. They're serving you faithfully in other places, and we rejoice in that. But what a blessing it's been for me just to see you, to hug them, Lord God, just to remind them of the love that we have for each other. Lord, it's been a blessing to one degree overwhelming that over 200 years you've been working in this body and through this body. So, Lord God, I thank you, whether it's our brothers and sisters from Shady Grove, brothers and sisters down at Oak Hill, we're family, your family. And we thank you that we get to celebrate that today. Be with us as we leave this place. Lord God, may your face shine upon everyone here when you give them peace. May your countenance be upon them and you bless them indeed with your hand of favor.